Good morning. So good to see everybody today. If you brought your Bibles with you, won't you open them up to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. On this first Sunday of 2018, I'm going to start a series of messages about something that has been stirring in me for a while now. Today's message will really be more of an intro into this series that will set up the whole thing and uh, let us know where we are going and why. Uh, Part of the why is found right here in 1 Corinthians 2, the first part of the chapter here. Um, We're going to start in verse 1, so let's all stand together and read this. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, starting in verse 1, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in all fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Let's pray. Lord, we gather here this morning as your people. Lord, I thank you that you are here with us, that you are even making yourself known even now. And God, we just stand here today confessing that we are a people that need your power. Lord, there are things in this life that we are just absolutely incapable of in our own strength. And we look to you. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to guide us in truth this morning. And let your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Whenever we start a new year, I always like to just kind of take an assessment of where we are as a church. And on the surface, we seem to be doing pretty good. I mean, attendance is up. Membership is growing. Our finances are really strong right now. People seem to be getting more on board with the whole vision and purpose that God has given us as a church. I also see a lot of spiritual growth happening in many of you as well. More and more of you just seem to be growing in your faith as you are putting more of your trust into God no matter what the situations around you look like. And and I love that. But if we look deeper... Beyond the flurry of activity and programs, beyond the numbers and the dollar signs and the things that are more evident on the surface, what I see is a gap and in some cases just a vast chasm between certain things. I've included these gaps in your note there in the bulletin because I believe it is very important that we acknowledge these things because if we don't acknowledge them, we can't bridge them. You probably heard the saying that you can't heal what you don't acknowledge. And I believe that that is true. But we've got to acknowledge these things because I believe that the Lord wants to show us just how to bridge them. And so what you will see, first of all, is a gap between what the church is and what it ought to be. And you can say that about every church. 
There's a gap between what many Christians say and what they do. A gap between what we know and how we often live. You see, I talk to people all the time, like couples who are struggling in their marriage, just trying as hard as they can to, to keep it together, but not ever really seeing any real breakthrough and wondering just how long it can last and wondering what it's going to take for them to finally have some kind of a big breakthrough. There are people trying to overcome certain sin patterns in their life. Just up and down, up and down. Every once in a while, it seems like they're turning a corner only to find themselves flat on their face again and never really being able to walk in complete and total victory. Wondering what it's going to take for them in order to finally be able to experience that kind of freedom. I see young people who know the truth and continue to just go through the church motions but are succumbing to the pull of the world more concerned with how they look than how they live. With all of us, there just seems to be this gap between what we want with God and our relationship with Him and what we actually experience on a day-to-day basis. It's the gap between the abundant life that Jesus said that he came to give us in John 10.10 and the life that we are actually living. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not questioning anyone's love for the Lord at all. I know that that is there. I know that most of us have a genuine desire to live for him and to walk in total victory. We want to care more about what he thinks than we do what others think. But there also seems to be a huge gap between those two things as well. Most of us know deep down that because we belong to a sovereign God who controls all and looks after his own, that there is absolutely no reason for any of us to live in fear. But there is a gap between knowing that and the reality that fear is still such a stronghold in so many people's lives. We know these gaps exist and we're keenly aware of it. We just just don't acknowledge them very often because we're not quite sure how exactly we go about bridging these gaps. There just seems to be something missing, something we're just not getting You know, I talk a lot about how the gospel is the power of God. And when you preach and proclaim the truth of the gospel, you are releasing supernatural power. But it seems that we're only getting glimpses of that power here and there. I mean, as much as we focus on and preach the gospel, we should be seeing the effects of that power more often than we do. I keep hearing people say all the time, it feels like in this church that we're just on the brink of something really big that God wants to do. I've heard more than just a few people say it just seems like there's this place that God wants to take us, this thing that he wants to do, but it seems like we just keep bumping into a wall. Like like there's something there just holding us back, keeping us from just getting over that hump and fully experiencing what it is that God wants has for us it's like we're just on one side of a gap and we can see the other side but we just don't quite know how to get there these are the things that I've been wrestling with a lot lately and I'm telling you this morning 
what I believe this church needs. What I believe our lives individually need is a fresh infusion of power. I'm not talking about just any kind of power. I'm talking about the kind of power that human flesh cannot produce. That education cannot conceive. That programs cannot strategize. I'm talking about the supernatural power and activity of the Holy Spirit. You know, I love the fact that in recent years, the Lord has just been leading much of his church into this rediscovery of the simplicity and purity of the gospel. And by his grace and mercy, we've been privileged to be a part of that. But what I've come to realize is that with the pure gospel comes the visible activity of the Holy Spirit. Those two things should go hand in hand. And that's what Paul was saying here in this text we just read. He said, my message and my preaching, talking about the gospel, were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. We've been doing pretty good when it comes to the gospel, but the question that I've been asking is, where is the demonstration of the spirit and of power? That's what seems to be missing, and that's what I believe can bridge those gaps. Some of you might say, well, the power is in the things that you were talking about earlier, like the church growing and people growing in their spiritual growth, and we've seen people getting saved and marriages restored, and yes, I agree with that 100%. I've said that we have been seeing bits and pieces of it, but I really believe that the Lord wants to lead us into more than what we have experienced up to this point. I sincerely believe that he's got a lot more in store for us, that he wants us to experience and to know of him. Now let me just acknowledge that I know that there are probably some of you in here right now thinking, oh no. You're probably a little worried that wondering where I'm going with this and hoping that it's not about to get weird up in here. Because when I say things like demonstrations and displays of the spirit, you're thinking things might get a little crazy. Some of you have either had bad experiences or heard some pretty bad things when it comes to demonstrations of the Spirit. And listen, I get that. I've had those bad experiences myself. I have witnessed the horrific abuse of spiritual gifts and things of the Holy Spirit. And that has, for the longest time, made me pretty hesitant of even talking about this. Let me share a little bit of my background with you so you'll know where I'm coming from in a lot of this. I come from a pretty eclectic church background, which means I've been involved in churches from one end of the denominational spectrum to the other and all those in between. My great-grandfather on my mother's side was an old-school Church of Christ preacher where they believed that if you weren't Church of Christ, you weren't going to heaven. My great-grandfather on my father's side was an old-school missionary Baptist preacher. I believe if you weren't missionary Baptist, you weren't going to heaven. If you asked what we were when I was a kid, we'd most definitely say Baptist, tried and true. 
When I was younger, we lived in Dallas. We were members of First Baptist Church there, which at that time was the largest Baptist church in the entire world, led by the great W.A. Criswell. That was a horrible impersonation, but he had one of the greatest preaching voices that God ever created. I love to hear him, that big booming voice of his. We moved from Dallas to Tyler where we became Green Acre, or members of Green Acres Baptist, which is the largest church in East Texas. Sometime during the early 80s, there was this big Holy Spirit charismatic movement that began sweeping the religious landscape. People were suddenly made aware of just the tangible presence and activity of the Holy Spirit and the manifestation of spiritual gifts, and this movement seemed to hit a lot of Baptist churches particularly hard, which caused no small stir, I guarantee you. Some of you may remember that, may have even been a part of it at the time. And some of those churches weren't really comfortable with these new members getting all involved in this Holy Spirit stuff. And there were even some Baptist preachers that got caught up into it too. Congregations weren't very comfortable with them leading them in in that kind of stuff. And so suddenly there were all these church orphans, if you will, without a church to call their own. And so they began meeting in in homes and different places together. Uh, My family was a part of all this. We were living in Tyler at the time while the rest of my extended family lived here in Palestine. And whenever we'd come to visit for the weekend in the past, we'd all go to Baptist church here in town together as a family. Aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, the whole clan. But then when we got involved in this whole Holy Spirit thing, we began to have meetings, church meetings out at my grandparents' farm. Many times there was someone from out of town who was brought in to lead these meetings, either someone who was an up-and-comer in this new movement or someone particularly strong in a certain spiritual gift, whether it was healing or words of knowledge or, or teaching. Pretty soon those meetings just began to grow and grow. Here's how I describe my experience during that time. I was pretty young, probably around junior high is when all this was going on. And during this time, I would say that for one thing, um, Jesus became more real to me during this time than he had ever been. Up until this point, he had been nothing more than a historical figure. This distant being that we believed in, I wouldn't have even put him on the same level as Santa Claus because Santa at least gave you presents you could play with once a year. But there was nothing personal about Jesus to me at all other than the fact that he kept you from going to hell. But it was during this time of witnessing these demonstrations of the Spirit and just experiencing the tangible presence of of God among us is, is when he really became real and personal. But there was also another side of that that wasn't so good. At the time that we would 
get ready to go to these house meetings, something began happening to me that I couldn't make sense of at first, and is that whenever we would start preparing to leave Tyler and drive down here to go to one, another one of these uh, church meetings out at my grandparents' farm, this, this fear and anxiety would just consume me to the point where I would just begin feeling nauseous. And I couldn't figure out why. And it's like the closer we got to Palestine, the sicker I got. I thought that maybe I was just afraid of one of these so-called prophets reading my mail in front of everybody and calling me out for some sin that I'd been hiding or something. It may have been part of it, but <laughs> that wasn't completely it. Once the meeting started, I would just feel so miserable. But then something else would always happen, and that was that whenever whoever, whoever was leading would tell us to open up our Bibles and get into the Word, whenever we started reading the Scripture, this overwhelming sense of peace and calm just completely washed over me. But then when he'd go off into something else that didn't have to do with Scripture, I'd, I'd start sweating again and feeling miserable. And then we'd get back into the Word, and this peace would come over me and it would all go away and so if there was one thing that God did for me during this time was that he instilled in me a love of his word he made me know that there was something more to this book than just words on a page that there was something special about this something powerful but why was I feeling so miserable I eventually realized that it was the Holy Spirit in me sensing that something wasn't quite right See, here's the deal. I mean, this was all such a new thing for so many people that nobody really knew what they were doing. I mean, this is brand new. This Holy Spirit stuff was like giving a gun to a little kid and telling him to go play with it without giving him any instructions on how to use it. I mean, that's dangerous. Somebody's going to get hurt. And if there is one thing that we are good at as human beings, it's taking something of God that is so good and so pure and completely fouling it up. And turning it into something that it never was intended to be. And a lot of that was going on at this time. So there was a lot of abuse of spiritual gifts. There were people doing things that had absolutely nothing to do with Jesus. There was a lot of manipulation and agendas being pushed all under the guise of a move of the Holy Spirit. There were people claiming to be something that they definitely were not. And because all this was so new and people just didn't know any better, it went unchecked for a while. Like I said, I believe that uneasiness that I was feeling in me was the Spirit letting me know that something wasn't right, which I didn't realize at the time, but I was actually experiencing one of the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of discernment, the discerning of spirits. I was discerning that something was off here, although I didn't know exactly what it was. But when people finally began seeing this error for what it was, it caused a lot of folks to just walk away from it altogether. Some of them just completely throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Some just quit going to any organized church at all. Just completely washed their hands of the whole thing. I began high school soon after and turned all of my attention to football and boxing. And so sports was a great diversion and that then became my God. And then I went off to college and I ran as far away from God as I possibly could. 
But he kept pursuing me, and he eventually brought me to a place the summer of my junior year where I completely surrendered to him and never looked back. And I got involved with a Christian organization there on campus that was sponsored by the Assemblies of God. So I began going to an AG church there. And they were pretty big into the Holy Spirit stuff and practicing and spiritual gifts. But I soon began to see some error in that as well. Things that I didn't see that lined up with Scripture, which by this time I had developed an insatiable appetite for. If I wasn't studying for school, I was studying the Bible and I couldn't get enough of it. And so I pretty much turned away from all that crazy Holy Spirit stuff and just stuck to what gave me that sense of peace and security in the midst of all that chaos that was going on, which was God's Word. I can tell you right now, I don't ever want to get involved in something that we don't find in here. But the more I do study it, the more I see there's something that we're missing. There's that gap in all those things that I mentioned earlier. And what I see in the scriptures is that those gaps can best be bridged by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about accessing and allowing the Holy Spirit to supernaturally empower us to do things that we wouldn't normally be able to do. But I've been hesitant about going there because of the bad experiences that I've had in the past and because I know that there are some of you too who have, were hurt by that same thing going on then. And you haven't really had any desire to look back on it. And you're probably feeling a little bit of anxiety with me talk, even talking about it now. The truth is I have been adhering to what Sam Storms refers to as the 11th commandment. Which is thou shalt not do what others do poorly. That's basically the attitude that I've taken. But I don't want to do that anymore if it's holding us back from something that God has for us. It would be foolish to do so. You know, being a non-denominational church, we have people here from just about every kind of church background. Every one of us are going to fall into one of three different categories here when it comes to the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. One group is those of you who believe in it wholeheartedly, and you have even been desiring to see the, the, the Holy Spirit in operation more than he has been in this church. And then there's another group of you, you probably came from one of those churches that kicked out the charismatics back in the day, or you come from a background where you were taught um, secessionism, which means that the spiritual gifts have ceased with the dying of the apostles and that they are no longer relevant and useful for us today. And then the third group are the ones like me and my family. You went through all that at some point, but you got burned and you've never wanted to go back to that again. And if that's you, let me just give you something to think about. We see people doing things wrong all the time. I'm sure you've seen some of those so-called preachers will stand on a street corner and browbeat people with a message of salvation, holding up signs that say things like, God hates sinners, trying to manipulate them into some type of confession of faith. They are abusing the Great Commission to go and make disciples, and they are doing it very poorly. 
But does that keep you from sharing the gospel with anyone who needs to hear it? I sincerely hope not. I'm sure that you've sat under some bad preaching before where the preacher twists some particular passage to fit his agenda rather than making his agenda fit the scripture and made a bad application, a wrong application of the text. But did that stop you from ever listening to another sermon? Not if you're sitting in here today. We hear people probably every single Sunday singing praise songs to God, so out of tune and so off-key that we wonder if they're hearing the, the actual song that's being played at that time. But does that keep any of you from singing praise to God yourselves? No. It would be foolish to do so. And so would it be to completely disregard the Holy Spirit because someone abused the gifts at some point. The answer for that abuse is not prohibition, but correction. Biblical correction. And so those are the three groups that I know I'll be speaking to during this series. There's probably a fourth group too, and I hope that there is. And that's those of you who may be new Christian, uh, new to this whole church thing, and you're sitting there going, I have no idea what you're even talking about. If so, I love that you are here because that means you've got no preconceived notions or hang-ups to get over. You are a clean slate. So praise God for you. Whichever one of those groups that you fall in, I just want to ask you to bear with me for a few weeks. Just bear with me. And if you are one of those who are somewhat resistant to this, you've got to at least admit two things. Number one is that your resistance more than likely is based solely on fear. It's the fear of what's not familiar to you. The fear that emotionalism may begin running rampant in this church or fanaticism. The fear of being burned again or the fear of just what might occur if you relinquish full control of your life to the Holy Spirit. You can't let yourself be led by fear because the Bible tells us that fear is not of God. So don't let what is not of God keep you from what actually might be of Him and that He wants for you. The other thing that I believe that we have to admit is this. If we honestly assess the spiritual condition of our lives, and I'm speaking for myself as well, Because in some areas, many of us have to concede that our lives, in many ways, are devoid of meaningful, transformative power. If we're not honestly admitting that, we're fooling ourselves.
Now, here's what I believe the Lord was telling me all those years ago when I felt so miserable during those meetings, yet so at peace whenever we would get into the Word. And that is that as long as we stay within the Scriptures, we're good. We're good. For those of you feeling a bit apprehensive about all this, I want you to at least take comfort in the fact that I will not lead us into anything that we do not find in here. We're going to stay fixed on being aligned with God's Word, and I'm going to strictly adhere to keeping it all within the context of the gospel. As long as we do that, we shouldn't have anything to fear. And I'm going to make sure that I'm held accountable to that. And so don't worry about anything getting weird and out of order in here. It's not going to happen as long as we stay within Scripture. And this leads me to another gap, or in this case, a great canyon that exists within the church at large overall. In the past, they have either been one of two different kinds of churches, either a church that focuses more on God's Word and preaches, you know, existentially from the Scripture, or one that focuses more on the Holy Spirit. Usually one or the other, rarely do you see both. And so in your notes there, I've listed gaps that exist in certain kind of churches. There has historically been a gap between uh, those churches who uh, uphold and adhere to the integrity of Scripture and those who are open to the power and display of the Spirit. A gap between those who maintain a high view of the sovereignty of God and those who delight in the gifts of the Spirit. Those churches who enjoy dissecting complex biblical truths. A gap between them and those that aren't afraid of public displays of affection for Jesus. Most churches have generally been made up of people who are either on one side of that gap or the other. It's very rare to find a church with characteristics of both. And critics of such a thing would say that the last sighting of a church like that was sometime around the first century A.D. when the original apostles were still alive. And because they aren't alive anymore, that we'll never see a church like that again. Well, I strongly beg to differ because... I find nothing in the scriptures that suggests that. What I do find is men like Paul who expect God's people to live in supernatural ways until Jesus returns. Paul couldn't conceive of a church that was centered on the gospel but absent of the empowering gifts of the Holy Spirit. In this series, we're going to look at that, and we're going to study the Scriptures to see if things like supernatural gifts of the Spirit were only for the first century church, or if they actually are valid and useful for us today. And if they are valid and useful, and if God wants these things to be available to us, then we are missing out big time if we just ignore them, because we're a little afraid. When Jesus was here on earth, he announced the arrival of the kingdom of God. And then he demonstrated that kingdom in operation. And it was unlike anything anyone had ever seen on the face of this earth before. And then right before he ascended back to the Father, he commissioned and empowered his people to go and do the same. 
announce the arrival of the kingdom and demonstrate it in operation. And I'll close with this. Last week I talked about three things that we can take with us into this new year in order to start it off right. The last one was that I said that we can start the new year knowing that Jesus will help us. This is how he does that. I quoted the verse in John where he said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I'm going to send another helper. This is what he was talking about. He helps us by empowering us with his spirit to live lives higher and beyond what everyone else in the world who doesn't know him are capable of living. So that's what we're going to hopefully learn how to do. And it's going to be good. Let's pray. Lord, we do confess that there are things in our lives that are, that we wish weren't. That are not, that we wish were. Things of you that we so desire. Something just seems to keep holding us back. Lord, we confess even that many of us have just resigned ourselves to accept that this is as good as it gets. But Lord, I find in your word that for your people, it always gets better. And so Lord, I pray for those who have come to that place where they know they can't do any more. They can't do any better. They just can't seem to get over that hump in their own strength, God, that you would bring them to this place of calling out to you and then admitting, I need your power. I need from you what I don't have. Lord, I don't want to be a church that simply just goes through the religious motions. I don't want to be a church full of people where we just come here and sing praise songs to you and listen to a message and we leave here and our lives look absolutely no different than the rest of the world. Lord, I want to be a church full of people where we leave here and people know there is something different about us. That we live differently than other people. Because we have access which you have been made available to us, which is the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I don't want us to just give lip service to you. Lord, I want to live in the goodness and the glory of all that your death has provided. Lord, I want to cash in on all that your death purchased for us. 
So, Lord, show us how to do that. Again, Heavenly Father, guide us in truth. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.